thanks for listening to this sermon from Cedar Springs Church. We know life is busy and it's easy to get caught up running in so many directions. At Cedar Springs, we see you and we're with you. We also understand the feeling inside of you for something deeper. In fact, we believe God created us for those deeper things and we want to help you discover them. We want to introduce you to a life lived deeply with God and with others. If you're not already, we invite you to visit us during one of our Sunday worship services. We are all working toward taking our next step to move into deeper faith and community. So come, take your next step with us. We don't want you to settle for life as normal because you were made to live deeply. So we are in a series called The Person and Purpose of Jesus. We've been looking at the Gospel of Mark to see who Jesus is and, and why and why he came. This week, we want to consider that information, um, information is helpful, uh, but it doesn't really do us much good unless we act upon it. Information is good, but it doesn't do us much good unless we act upon it. So take a look at, at this picture. Can you read that sign? Do not climb or play on or around the pipe. So what do we all do? Human nature in one picture. We all love to climb and play on and around the pipe. And of course, there's lots of other examples as well, isn't there? Severe weather warnings. Helpful, but only if you actually go and take shelter. The horrific warnings that you read on cigarette packages. Helpful, but only if you stop smoking. Um, stop signs and speed limits. Everyone who was judging the smokers a second ago. Um, <laughs> I won't ask for a show of hands of lawbreakers, but my hand may be the first one up um, if, if, if I did. Information is helpful, but we've got to act upon it. Well, in our passage today, Jesus is going to say something very similar about the gospel about who he is and his word. It's good to know about him. It's good to know his word, but it doesn't do us much good unless we act upon it. Rico Tice, who is an Anglican pastor and author, put it this way. He said, just as seeds will only grow if you plant them properly, so the good news about Jesus will only change your life if you hear it properly. The good news about Jesus will only change your life if you hear it properly. It's not enough just to hear it. You've got to do something with it. So friends, let's listen to his word in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1, reading through to the end of verse 20. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil 
and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Friends, this is the gospel of Christ. Father, as we come to your word, our, our prayer is help. You love us, so help us open our hearts to your word. Help us uh, internalize it deep within our hearts. And help us to respond by following Jesus and obeying the word that you've given us this morning. We pray in his perfect name. Amen. So I don't know if you caught it, but every single person in this room made an appearance in that parable. Every single one of us is, is in this story. Did, did you see yourself? Not in the sower, who is Jesus. Not in the seed, which, which is the, the word of God, but in the soils. In the different responses that come to the word of God. And every single one of us falls into the one, one of the four categories that Jesus references. It should really not be called the parable of the sower. That's not the thing the parable is primarily about. It should really be called the parable of the soils. If you have your Bible there, score out parable, the title parable of sower and replace with, with soils, because that's what this is, is about. Jesus wants us to consider this morning, how are we responding to him and his word? More pointedly, Jesus wants you to ask this morning, what kind of soil am I? What kind of soil am I? How do I receive Jesus and his word? Well, let's look at the four options he gives us and see if we can't identify ourselves in one of them. The first type of soil represents what we could call a hard heart. Jesus describes it as the seed that fell along the path. 
Now, John Deere doesn't exist in Jesus' day. The farmers had to do all of their work without the benefit of, of heavy machinery. And so what they would do is they would have these long, fairly narrow fields that would be divided by paths along the way. These paths were just wide enough for one person, the farmer, to walk up and down. And that's exactly what, what he would do. Walk up and down this path, scattering the seed as he went. Well, over the years, this constant foot traffic made these paths as hard as concrete. So any seed that fell out of the bag or that ended up getting scattered onto these paths would never get, it, get below the surface. They would, they would never take root. They just sit there on that concrete-like surface waiting for the birds to come and eat. And so Jesus says, some of us are like are like that with the gospel. That when we hear about Jesus and his word, our hearts are hard. It just bounces straight off us. It doesn't even go in one ear and, and out the other. It doesn't even get, get that, that far. It never takes root in our lives. And so Jesus says in the second half that we read that, that these people are like, Satan comes and, and devours that seed. Now, isn't it, isn't it sobering that Jesus would bring up Satan in this, this parable? And, and if you are skeptical or cynical about the fact that, that Satan exists, I just encourage you not to be. If it's, if it's possible that God exists, that there is a spiritual force for good, then it's very reasonable to say that Satan exists, that there's also a spiritual force for evil. And friends, when our hearts are hard, oh, and, and let me let me give you a gentle challenge if, if your heart has been hard, if you've been cynical or skeptical about the Bible. So often we justify that by thinking that our skepticism is, is, is the fruit of our own reason, the fruit of our intellect, the fruit of, of how enlightened we are in this day and age. Well, we have to confront the fact, Jesus says, no, it's not proof of those things, it's proof of your hard heart. And actually, you're doing exactly what Satan once. The Bible describes Satan as a thief who has come to kill and destroy. And he would love nothing more than to pick this gospel seed from your ears without you even realizing it. So Jesus says, he gives us this gentle warning, don't have a hard heart. My word is designed to, to, bring, to bring life. Let it sink down. Let it take Root, don't let it bounce right off. What, what kind of soil am I? Second option Jesus gives us after the, the hard heart, the second type of soil represents what we could call a shallow heart. And he gives us this image of a shallow heart by describing a soil that is full of, of rocky ground. And so we can imagine in that day, as in, in this day, you might have a, a layer of soil that didn't go all that deep because underneath it were several layers of rock. Well, that topsoil heats up quickly because it isn't very deep. And so any seed that falls into that topsoil springs up quickly. But then as soon as the sun shines a little more, that seed hasn't taken any root, and so it will be scorched by the sun, it will wither, it, it, it will die. It will seem promising at, at first, then it will never actually produce, produce good fruit. And Jesus says, 
That's how some of us are with the gospel. That there's been a time of our life when we received this gospel word with joy. We received the gospel, verse 16, initially with joy, but then verse 17 happened. Trouble and and persecution came, and, and we quickly withered away. Does that resonate with you this morning? Do you remember looking back to a time in your life when you were alive to God? A time in your life where you really wanted to follow the Lord. Some time in church, some time at camp, some time at, at a, a retreat when, when you really felt alive to God. But then trouble and persecution came. The world just wore you down. Following Jesus started to become hard. Following Jesus started to become inconvenient. Perhaps family or friends started to think you were strange or weird for following Jesus. And so you, you fell away. Jesus gives us this, this warning. Um, I have, have good, good seed for you, good, good words for you, words that will bring life. So don't have this shallow heart. Third option, what kind of soil am I? After the hard heart, after the, the shallow heart, is what we could call a distracted heart. <laughs> and Jesus describes this distracted heart by describing seed that fell amongst the thorns. So the seed is scattered and it falls into soil that in and of itself might have been fine, apart from the fact that it's full of thorns and it's full of, it's full of weeds. And every gardener knows that when there's competition, the weeds always win. You don't try and manage the weeds. The only thing you can do is pluck them out. Because, because if they're there, they're going to dominate and they're going to choke that seed out. And Jesus says, that's what some of us are like with the gospel. That's what some of us are like with, with him and, and with, with his word. That we initially respond to, to the gospel and we, 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 we say that it's, that it's our priority and we are sure that, that we love Jesus. But then life gets in the way. Life gets in the way. Because yes, we want to love Jesus, but we also have to dress the kids and we also have to do carpool and we also have to meet deadlines at work and we also have to pay some bills and we also have to answer some emails and we also have to call our mother and we also have to get to that event and then we also need to plan that trip and we also need to do all of these things so that by the time we've done all of them, our faith has actually been choked out. That Jesus, who was intended to be the center of our lives, has kind of been reduced to a footnote. And so you'd say... I love the Lord, and yet when you think about your life, you're not really all that sure practically, concretely, what, Jesus, what difference Jesus really, really makes. And so Jesus comes with this, this gentle warning. He says, hey, don't, don't have a distracted heart. I have good things for you. I have words of, of life. What kind of soil am I? Last option Jesus gives us, Hard heart, shallow heart, distracted heart is what we could call, fourthly, um, an open heart. An open heart. And Jesus describes this open heart by giving us the picture of, of the good soil. So yes, as the farmer is scattering his seed, some of it lands in these places, but then some of it lands in, in good soil. And when it lands in that soil, it takes root. And after it's taken root, it flourishes and produces a harvest 30, 60, or 100 times uh, the size of that, that initial seed. Now, commentators interestingly point out that 30, 60, and 100 was a, 
um, a, a completely exaggerated harvest. That in Jesus's day, a, a tenfold harvest would have been exceptional. And even modern farming methods can't, can't attain a 30, 60, 100-fold harvest. And that's exactly Jesus's point. That's exactly his point. He's saying, this is what some people are like with the gospel. That when they receive me, something unusual, something miraculous, something supernatural happens in their hearts. And they are transformed, not just in eternity, but also here today with the blessings of, of a 30, 60, 100 fold harvest. What are these blessings? Not the stupid, superficial, shallow things of health and wealth, but the deep, robust blessings that, that we want in our lives. The harvest of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God makes us the kind of people that, that we ourselves want, want to be. And Jesus says, that, that is what I have for you. Let your heart be good soil and it will transform you, not just now, but for all eternity. And so we look at these four options, hard, shallow, distracted, open. We ask, what kind of soil am I? And it's not a trick question. It's obvious what kind of soil Jesus wants us, wants us to be. He doesn't want us to get born, you know, eaten up or scorched down or choked out. He, he wants his word to find place in our lives and for us then to flourish. And in case we, we missed this point, Jesus makes it very clear to us that this is his desire for us in the way that he begins and ends this parable. Did you notice that he begins and ends his parable in, in, in the same way? Verse 3, he starts it by saying, listen, listen. This is a great Greek word that means listen with the intent to obey. Listen with the intent to obey. And you un we understand that, right? Um, when... Uh, you call your kids and say, hey, listen, kids, it's time to go tidy your room. When you say listen, you're not just meaning hear me and carry on with what you're doing. <laughs> you're saying, hey, listen with the intent to go and actually do the thing that, that I am saying. And that's what Jesus is saying to us, to us here. He's saying, listen, listen up with the intent to obey. That's how he begins. That's the first word of his parable. But then look at the last word of it. Verse 9. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In Greek, the language the New Testament was written in, the word listen and the word hear are the same word. So he starts and begins, he starts and ends his parable with this, this one word, listen, hear, meaning take in what I'm saying and obey it. Don't let this seed bounce off you, but let it go deep into your heart and obey it. And so we... So we ask, what kind of soil am I? <laughs> Is there good soil in your heart this morning? If you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian, I would, just, I would plead with you to have good soil in your heart this morning. For you to hear the word of, of the gospel, which is that there is a God and he does love you. And he sent his son to die for you. For you to hear that word and receive it. Because isn't it beautiful that you don't have to do anything more than that? Isn't it beautiful that what is the call of Jesus? For you to do better? For you to clean up? For you to act right? No, that's nobody. It's just listen. <laughs> that's all he says. Let this, let this parable give you hope. 
Let this parable give you hope that there may be things that that are dark about your past. You may be struggling with things today, but Jesus will save you anyway. He'll receive you anyway. Without giving you a burdensome list upon your back, but simply with the call to receive this, this gospel grace. You ask, how do I make my heart good soil for this? Here's the great news of the gospel. You ready? If you want it, your heart's already good soil. If you, if you want to be a Christian, he's already at work. His spirit's already taking care of that hardness and that shallowness. He already plucked up the weeds and dealt with the rocks. Your heart is all, it's already good soil. For you to receive him now, for you to receive him today, for you to become Christian and join this crazy family. If you are a Christian, I think here's the question we need to wrestle with is, yeah, what kind of soil am I? But more specifically, um, where is my heart still hard? Where is my heart still shallow? Where is my heart still distracted? Because the reality is, right, that most of us, um, we're a mixture of soils. Is that fair to say? Most of us love Jesus, and then we also go climb and play upon, upon the pipe. That there's ways in which we've opened our heart to the Lord, and there's other ways in which our hearts are still hard. So perhaps, that is, perhaps that's the problem. Perhaps for you, it's, it is that hard path. Perhaps you can identify places in your, in your heart where, where you have been hard to the Lord. Maybe it's because you just don't like some of what the Bible has to say. And Christian, pay attention. If you're paying attention with the Bible, we'll all have things that we find hard in, in there. Maybe we find it hard what Jesus tells us to do with our, our money. Maybe we find it hard what Jesus tells us to do with our, our bodies. Maybe we find it hard that the Bible teaches us things that go against the, 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 the tide of our, our culture's opinions. Maybe we find it hard that the Bible tells us to serve others and love our spouses and forgive them and love our, love our enemies and um, give generously to all and pursue purity and do, you know, just generally give ourselves away. Never, never have a hard time with any of that. <laughs> Here's what I've decided. You ready? When the Bible disagrees with me, I'm going to disagree with myself. When the Bible disagrees with me, I'm going to disagree with myself. What does that mean? Let's put it positively. I want to submit my life to his word. I don't want to set myself up in authority over it. I want to set it up in authority over, over me. And I want, to, I want to submit to it. Perhaps for you, the challenge hasn't been a hard heart. Perhaps it's, it's been that, that shallow heart. Friends, this is a real danger for us, for us in the church that you can look back on times when you were alive, alive to God. But it was at some camp, some retreat, some event. It was, you look back on when you were in college. And we say, when did you graduate? That was 10, 20, 30, 40 more years ago. Do you really want your best spiritual days to be some version of yesterday? <laughs> That we would look back on and say, well, I was alive to God then, but now, now things, are, things are flat. We say, no, Jesus calls us out of that. He calls us to not allow the troubles and the persecutions to make us shallow, but actually to allow these troubles and allow these persecutions to take us deeper with him. Because friends, I don't know about you, but I don't know how we're going to handle trouble and persecution without him. 
Rather than allowing these things, you know, when, when grief or abuse or cancer comes, rather than allowing these things to make us hard to God, let's allow these things to make us run to God, that we might find his help, that we might find his presence, that we might find his grace to sustain us through these, these very trials. We don't want to be a people who, who allow this life to make us cynical to God. We want to be a people who use these experiences to drive us to God so that our best spiritual days aren't some version of yesterday, but are still alive today. Perhaps for you, it's not hard, it's not shallow, but I'm sure for all of us, we find ourselves distracted. Is that not a reality for, for all of us in our, in our walk with Christ? That yeah, we, we want to follow the Lord and we're committed to following the Lord, but life just has this way of happening and keeps on pushing these these priorities out. Yeah, we, we want to be following the Lord, but when it comes to the nitty-gritty details of, like, what does your day actually look like? What does your calendar actually look like? How many things are on there? And how many of them involve a, a conscious walking with, with Christ? We get distracted. These things get pushed out. And so there needs to be a little bit of a feisty determination to say, friends, here's what we're going to decide. We are going to live our lives in a way that we won't regret. And we're going to pour our time and energy into the things that we, we actually think matter most. Because I don't want to get to the end of my life and have a big list of achievements that I don't even think are all that important. I want to get to the end of my life and see that, no, I, I prioritize the things that mattered. I'm proud of the way in which I spent my time and my energy. I'd do that again if I got another run at this thing. And so I'm not going to allow Jesus to become the footnote in my life. I want to follow him with everything I am in, in this life. We want to push back against these tendencies to be hard, to be shallow, to be distracted, and instead... We want to be open. We want to have open hearts. And don't miss the gospel motivation. Isn't it beautiful how Jesus says, or how Jesus doesn't say, hey, have an open heart or I'm going to get you. No, he says, have an open heart and your life will flourish. 30, 60, 100 fold. Grace will come into your life, and I will, I will transform you. Your life will be different to how it would have been before. And you will have more love and joy and peace. And you, you will have more patience and kindness and goodness and more faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You will be more, you will be equipped to not just handle this life, but flourish in this life. So submit to my word and see that harvest come. And we say, Jesus, we can submit to your word because at the end of the day, remember, he's the seed that falls into the ground and dies. And if he does that for us, we can trust him with our lives. So wrap up time. What are we going to do with this? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with this? And I don't mean with me. I mean with this word. And it's such an important question to ask this week because we've said um, information is important, but it doesn't do you any good unless you act upon it. So how do we not do that with this sermon? How do we, what kind of soil am I? How can we actually be good soil this week? Let me invite you to try, try one thing. If you're, res if you're wrestling with this question, let me invite you to try one thing. I asked our director of women's ministry, um, how do you read your Bible? And she started to tell me, and I said, no, 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 back up. I want to know that the, the, the physical process you go through when you're, when you're about to read your Bible. 
And so she explained that she gets out of bed in the morning and she goes and she pours herself a cup of coffee and then she sits in a particular chair and then she opens up her Bible and says a one-word prayer. You ready for it? Here it is. Help. Help. Lord, you love me. So help my heart to be open to your word. Lord, you love me. So, so help it to sink deep into my, into my heart. Lord, you love me. So help me to follow and obey whatever it is that I'm about to read. And I just think that asking God for help is a great place to start. If you want to have good soil in your heart this week, then set your alarm 15 minutes early. Get up, pour yourself that cup of coffee, open up your Bible, and then, do you know, I also like to open up my hands. Spiritual discipline of opening up my hands to the Lord and saying, Lord, help. You love me, so help, help my heart be open to your word. Help it seek, sink deep deep down. Help me to follow and obey whatever it is I'm, I'm about, about to read. Listen, I'm not saying your life's going to completely transform tomorrow morning when you do that, but I am saying do it every day and put Jesus to the test. Let's just see if he doesn't bring a harvest that's 30, 60, 100 fold in our lives. Amen. Amen. Father, we are grateful for this time together in your word and for how you come to teach us. And so you make abundantly clear that our only hope of, of salvation, of, of eternal life, is in, is in your grace. That, that we are saved uh, simply and solely by putting our faith in you. And yet, Lord, you don't step back, you don't shy away from telling us how to follow you in this life, what you want us to do with this, this grace. And so we hear your call to be, to be good soil, to receive your word by, by internalizing it and by putting it to, into practice in, in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a people who do just that, that our hearts, Lord, would be soft and tender toward you and that the, the good fruit of the gospel would take root in us and through us, Lord, bring blessing not just to us but to this community as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.